Welcome to episode four, Ulcerative Colitis Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your healing guide or your host, Jay India. And of course, I have UC or ulcerative colitis as well. And I just wanted to remind everyone in this episode, as I've reminded people before, I do get into the graphic details of bowel movements. So if you're eating, <laughs> you may want to uh, listen to this episode later. I also curse or swear. Uh, I'll drop an F-bomb occasionally. And I am going to give an activation warning for this episode because I am going to very briefly discuss sexual trauma and childhood sexual trauma. But I'm going to go into that more in depth in a forthcoming episode. And as usual, I just want to remind people I am not a doctor. I am not a health professional. So anything that you pick up from this podcast, you may want to incorporate in your lifestyle, food, diet, or exercise. Please consult a doctor or health professional before doing so. So we are on part three of my UC flare, and that's how in-depth this is that I'm dedicating episodes to just the flare because I think it's that important for everyone to understand how excruciatingly painful and significant and life-changing and also the amount of time you know, it's it's just like you lose so much time because you're sitting in bed or you can't leave your house. For those of you who have listened to the first three episodes, which I highly recommend before listening to this episode, I am back in spring. Now we're moving into summer, more like August 2021. I'm in a horrible UC flare or ulcerative colitis flare up. And I, I'm just having all these symptoms of you know, neuropathy and then, you know, sinus issues and I could not exercise and then it completely deteriorated into where I'm lying in bed all day. I stop eating, I stop drinking, I'm down to 80 pounds and it's just not a good look and it's not healthy at all. Now we are getting to my absolute worst of the flare and at my absolute worst, my colon spasms numbered 50 five zero a day. 50 times a day, I would sometimes crawl from my bed to the toilet and I would see a tiny bit of pellet poo and blood drip into the toilet. The pain from the spasms, which I detailed in last episode, was unbearable to the point that I had to breathe through each one. I used a stool to prop up my feet while sitting on the toilet and I would grasp the edge of the toilet bowl when my bowels and rectum felt as if they were pushing out a gigantic baby and being repeatedly stabbed at the same time. My pellet poo, and I mean by pellet poo, uh, rabbit, those little type of pellets, reeked of a strange biological substance that my body was emitting. It was like this weird metallic bile odor. The worst part though was the sensation afterwards. And this is where I'm going to give an activation warning just in case one more time. The sensation after having a colon spasm was violation 
I actually felt like I had just been sexually assaulted, which had happened to me in my past. And it felt that way emotionally and physically. I will discuss that in a forthcoming episode in detail. I was so confused. I had completely lost control of my body. And my days (laughs) consisted of toilet visits agonizing pain, and I had no desire to eat or drink. The smell of food sickened me. My stomach sounded like a dishwasher. Uh, There was a constant swishing of biles and liquid and God knows what else. It was painful and embarrassing, and it made me queasy. Then came the debilitating fatigue. I knew people, for example, who had mononucleosis in high school or mono. I knew someone that had malaria and they talked about this horrendous fatigue and I'd never experienced it. And I thought, okay, these women are, you know, they're describing, let's say I haven't slept well in a couple nights, but now I realize that UC fatigue is a hundred times worse than it. And I can pinpoint it in a second between just I'm feeling tired and UC tired I now realize that because I have anemia, and a lot of us with UC have anemia, which is a deficiency of healthy red blood cells, it's a double whammy. So we're getting that. (laughs) Unfortunately, we're getting fatigue from both angles. My fatigue was so bad that I would have a goal of brushing my teeth for the day, and I would decide to brush my teeth at 8 p.m. at night. And I did not get out of bed. I did not have the energy to get out of bed until around midnight. So it would take me four hours to get up and out of bed to just brush my teeth. I slept alone for two months. I was so embarrassed with going to the bathroom all the time and the emanating smell. I just wouldn't allow my husband to sleep in bed with me. He was respectful and understanding and he's an amazing husband. I love my dogs and my cows Yes, I have cows, so you can check them out on the Vintage Farm New York on Instagram. But I lost the desire to pet and cuddle with them, which I love to do, especially my first dog, Tia. She's this beautiful Shishan with one eye, and she's so cute. She's a rescue. And she would try to crawl into my lap to comfort me, but I was just in too much pain, and I'd push her away. And it was the same with friends and family. I pushed everyone away. All I wanted was to be alone and that no one discovers my UC secret. Normally, when I'm feeling fine, I clean my house constantly. Obviously, during this horrendous flare, uh, that couldn't happen, but out of pure mortification, I would clean the toilet and bathroom I used, and the bathroom I would use was in my bedroom. That was the only one that I could withstand walking to, and I did it to the best of my ability. Trust me, it was not done well but it was just to the best of my ability. And I was drowning in this world that was becoming smaller and smaller. And it was squeezing me into, uh, you know, this box of a bedroom and a bathroom. And it was also squeezing me out of my favorite time of year, summer into fall. So that was my late July through September, 2021. And what I'm about to say here, please understand that I have respect for those who have endured COVID. I've had COVID myself and those who are still dealing with the symptoms of COVID and for those who have passed from it. But I have to say the pandemic was my saving grace. If I wasn't showing up to events or if I spent more time at home, people didn't question it. Everyone was doing it. 
Yet I've lost a lot of opportunities. Remember all those big motivating goals I had for my podcast? I couldn't get any of that done. And it got to the point that I couldn't even read or listen to podcasts, which is my favorite thing, or barely talk on the phone. Even texting for me grew to be extremely arduous. So I'm sure you're wondering at this point, because we're now on episode four, (laughs) what about your job? Like You're spending all this time in bed. You're obviously not going to work. How can you take so much time off? I was in a transitional space. I'd been a corporate flight attendant, meaning I flew with the rich and famous on private jets. And you can check out my other podcasts, the corporate flight attendant podcast, if you're interested in that for over five years, but flying slowed down during the pandemic. And I wanted to return to my creative side. I hadn't taken a flying job for quite some time. And I was a contractor or freelance corporate flight attendant. So I could make my own schedule. My husband, knock on wood, has a good job that provides for us. And I'm an absolute minimalist. I own maybe 10 pairs of shoes and a few pairs of jeans. I saved my money from all the flying and was able to collect unemployment for a part of 2021. So (laughs) I guess I was a hybrid housewife, serious podcaster. My illness became my life. And obviously I had no life. I couldn't manage books, couldn't listen to podcasts, so I watched a show about horses called Heartland on Netflix, and it has a lot of seasons. I want to say it has 13, 14 seasons, at least here in the U.S. and Canada, you guys have all the seasons, and it's easy to digest, and I would watch other digestible, really silly shows, and I even watched a little YouTube. Normally, I'm not a YouTube person, but that helped me through as well. All I did was watch TV and slept, and on a good day, (laughs) I would brush my teeth. So there just wasn't much going on. Normally, I'm a very active person. I'm constantly moving around. I have a lot of energy. People, when they describe me, they would say, first thing, you know, when you're in those groups and they're like, okay, describe the person in three words, people would always say energetic. And I went from being that person to now the person who could barely get out of bed. 2020 hindsight, I was given a gift. I woke up one morning with heart palpitations. It wasn't a panic attack. I'd had many of those. I knew the difference. I yelled to my husband and he couldn't take it anymore. And I agree. He had endured six weeks of his wife regressing into a skeleton, lying in bed, withstanding agonizing pain all day and with me saying, I'll figure this out. And clearly I was not. So he called an ambulance and there was my worst fear, hospital, Western medicine, all the things. And you know, karma sometimes can just be a bitch because (laughs) my husband was recently sick with food poisoning and it lasted a lot longer than I knew food poisoning could last. So he was in bed and trust me, you want to talk about me being energetic? He's energetic times a hundred compared to me. He's always on the farm, doing things, building things, feeding the animals, whatever. He was in bed for a few days, not all day long, but when he was in bed, it scared me because I was like, am I going to go in? Is he going to be breathing? Is he going to, it really scared me. So the fact that he went through that with me for six weeks I don't know how he endured it. He is a patience of a saint. And I realize what I put him through now, and I will never, ever do that again, ever. 
So I couldn't believe he did it. I couldn't believe he called an ambulance. I wasn't angry. You know, how could I be? This respectful, loving, patient man, he felt helpless. He felt alone. Anything he did or said wasn't helping. And during that time, I just want to be honest, we did fight a couple of times, but I didn't take out my frustration, isolation, confusion, demoralization, and physical pain on him. I learned from back in my 20s, 20 years before, when I had a painful bladder disorder called interstitial cystitis and took it out on my boyfriend, my colleagues, and more. I would never repeat this mistake again, and I did keep that promise to myself. So we waited, and we held hands, and we waited for the blaring siren of the ambulance, and I said I was scared, and he said he was too. And I just remember him squeezing my hand, and I felt so small and fragile in our king-size bed, and I knew nothing could be done. You know, I knew they were going to come there and not do much. The EMTs arrived and my arm was so skinny that they couldn't use the regular cuff. They had to find a child size one, which they didn't have. So they had to use that old fashioned cuff where they pump air into it. My blood pressure was fine for my weight and my size. At that point, again, I was five foot one and I was weighing an emaciated 80 pounds. The blood pressure was 90 over 60, which sounds low, but Again, for my size at that point, I was okay. I told them about my stomach symptoms, which they said, okay, you can go to the hospital, but they're not going to do much for you. And I agreed. They left. I returned to TV and I returned to my miserable life. But those heart palpitations were abnormal for me. I could not ignore them. Here I was with more than six weeks of harrowing pain and dysfunction, I made a promise to myself, and this is why the heart palpitations were a gift. I agreed to improve enough to where I could visit my primary physician. Somewhere in the fog, before things worsened beyond recognition, I had made an appointment with a new, highly recommended gastroenterologist in my area, but I couldn't see him until mid-October. And it was late August. Anyone outside the US, the problem we have with healthcare here, besides, I know you guys hear all the time about the cost. Yes, they're astronomical, they're horrendous. Besides the cost is if there's someone who's really good, really good physician, really good specialist, you're going to wait months to see them. Um, An example is I have an exceptional gynecologist. I had to wait six months for my first appointment. And that's just how it is here. And now the other problem is these doctors who are exceptional are now closing their practices to new patients, which I just experienced with a dentist. Can't get in to see him. Have to keep calling, you know, every year to see if he's going to open his practice back up, which I don't think he is for years. That is the major problem here. So when I say that I had to book the appointment months in advance, that's why. So I summoned, okay, this is where I get some woo-woo here. So remember, I said in the first episode, I'm a metaphysical non-religious spiritual person. So I'm into all of it. I'm into the energy healing and the star seed workshops and the, you know, meditations and the DNA cellular activation. I'm into all of it. So I summoned my spirit guides and energy healing to raise my vibration just to find a moment of peace and all the chaos and just, you know, really start my healing journey. 
And my goal was to have enough strength to leave the house and see my physician, who was a 27-minute drive by car. You know, a drive I knew I couldn't do myself. My husband had to drive and I was a passenger. But that was a goal that I would just somehow function on this lower level that would get me into at least my physician's doctor's office, not my gastroenterologist or my new gastroenterologist, my physician. I had the will to heal. I started to realize that I was just pushing away everyone. I was pushing away the furry paw of my dog patting my arm. I was pushing away the worried kiss on my head from my husband. I had motivation. I finally had a light and I was there to follow it. So I pushed myself. Everything had atrophied, everything. I forced myself to eat, to drink, which I will discuss again in a forthcoming episode because that is a long story. I forced myself to move. I walked in a loop around the inside of my house. I was so proud when I completed one full loop or even two. Stairs were my kryptonite. I took one at a time. I was now bathing on a regular basis. I used other bathrooms in my house at a farther distance just to get more physical activity. I was brushing my teeth in the morning and the night now, and it didn't take hours. I could finally stand the taste of the essential oils I use instead of toothpaste. I was doing all the things I was improving daily, but the UC fatigue would not let up. And I was exhausted by 3 p.m. despite doing pretty much nothing with my day. And that was my bedtime, but I wouldn't sleep. I would just rest. And then my bedtime became 5 p.m. And I was still enduring colon spasms, but they had lessened to a a somewhat functional degree. And I had reached my goal. I was functional enough to visit my physician. I have to say I'm proud. And I, I know it's very egotistical to say I'm proud of myself, but I am. I'm proud of this next thing I'm about to say. On September 9th, 2021, I left the house after being bedridden for weeks and house ridden for months. Without achieving this goal, I I wouldn't be here doing this podcast and I have a book that accompanies this podcast. I, I wouldn't have written the book. So I, I chose a baggy outfit, this just really baggy dress sweater thing to cover my emaciated frame. My husband pulled the car up. (laughs) So funny. I remember going down the stairs and it was so hard. And I pulled the door of the car open, which was fine, but closing it, I could not do it. I, I did it, but it took a few tries because it was so heavy. And I was concerned because I had a 27 minute drive. And what happens if I had a colon spasm en route? So I brought butt wipes, you know, those those wipes that clean your butt, they're, they're wet, wet wipes to clean your butt. I brought those. I think I brought an extra pair of underwear. I was wearing a panty liner and I think I brought an extra one just in case I had a colon spasm. We got off the highway, got to the exit and there was a detour. So it was seven minutes longer and I was just dying, but I did make it to the office parking lot and I hobbled in the door Oh, by the way, keep in mind, this was COVID time. This was September 2021. So I'm wearing the mask. Everyone's wearing the mask. You have to call from your car to come in, you know, the whole nine. 
So I finally get into the office waiting room and I feel a colon spasm coming on. So I quickly go to the bathroom. Luckily, no one was in it. Finally, we were called into the examining room. I wasn't doing well. I was just in this weird fluctuation between absolutely beyond exhausted and restless. So I stood up. I had my hand on the examining table and I had my hand on the wall and I looked horrendous. I looked emaciated. I just, I looked horrible. And I remember I had to answer all these questions for the nurse and I was just getting more and more annoyed. And, you know, usually I'm a very nice person, but the nurse was kind of pushing back on a few things and it annoyed me. And I wasn't, I wouldn't say I wasn't nice, but I was a little brusque with her. Let's put it that way. And the doctor finally came in. I know her. She's an amazing physician. Uh, My husband and I like her very much. And she examined me and I told her what was going on. And she touched my left side of um, my colon and I was groaning it was that bad because now I know what is it. It's it's the ulcers in in, uh, the colon. I was convinced at this point that I had a parasite. This was my big thing. I'm like, oh, I have a parasite because I'd had Jardia before. So I was like, oh, it feels a lot like Jardia. So I told her that and she was not sold on it. She said, wait a minute, didn't you have an emergency room visit last summer? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did in 2019. And then she said, which I totally forgot, in 2020, I came to her again, summer 2020, because I felt really exhausted and my muscles were aching and weak and we had ran every test you could possibly run. And I was convinced I had Lyme's disease and I didn't have any of that. And I'd forgotten. And she said something I will never forget. She said, you were feeling sick in 2019, around the same time, 2020, around the same time. And now here in 2021, around the same time. This is a pattern, Jennifer. This is chronic. Then she did something that it pains me to admit, or it did pain me to admit, not now, because, you know, I was the herbal girl and I was the Ayurveda girl. She called in a life-saving prescription, dicyclamine, 10 milligrams. And this is a medication to stop spasms. I had no idea this medication even existed. I I didn't even think anything like that existed. I had been ingesting a minuscule amount of peppermint essential oil and rubbing it on my stomach and intestine areas. And I will say it did work up until a certain point, but the dicyclamine is why I'm happy I live in this century because, you know, we have this access to 21st century Western medicine. Remember, I'm sitting in my physician's office on September 9th, 2021, and my new gastroenterologist appointment isn't till mid-October. So my physician says, what about returning to your current gastroenterologist? This guy uh, I went to once and he's a fucking moron, and I really don't want to waste a lot of time on him. He barely examined me and just wanted to give me 10 months worth of mesalamine. That was his answer. I did not want to go back to that guy. So then my physician says to me, well, you need to call your gastroenterologist and say you need to get in right away. And I said, I would love to do that, but I have no power in this situation and I'm a new patient. I need you guys to call for me. And I told my doctor that point blank. I said, you have to call. Hearing from you 
they'll do it. Hearing from me, they won't do it. So she agreed to call for me. I left the office with fecal sample kits and she had also drawn blood for me and I was going to be waiting on that. And I felt good leaving the office, but I was exhausted and ready for bed. My husband was nice enough to pick up my prescription of dicyclamine so I could take it immediately. The next day, the physician's office called me to say they had left a message for the new gastroenterologist, but no one had returned the call yet. So I thanked her, but I was let down. You know, even the doctors couldn't contact the doctors. So I was really let down. But one thing I did learn was with the dicyclamine, there's no shame in taking it. There's really not. And I was so embarrassed to be taking a, you know, a pharmaceutical prescription medicine, but now I realize that saved my life. So the next day, again, after my appointment, I get the call saying, we're trying to contact the gastroenterologist. And that was in the morning. In the afternoon, the new gastroenterologist assistant called me and said, we heard you need to get in here sooner. Can you come in Monday? It was a Friday. I was over the moon. The light at the end of the tunnel was just three days away. I couldn't believe it worked out. It was time to figure out this chronic condition. I knew something was very wrong with me that nearly killed me. But what was it? In the next episode, we are going to go into my UC diagnosis. So you can hear that part of the story. If you want to check out my Instagram at two inches off the ground, why my Instagram is named that is I have three other podcasts. I have five podcasts total, but three that are four that are out to the world. Let's put it that way. You can go on to my two inches off the ground and you can see pictures of me when I was emaciated, which are not pretty, but you can see what I look like at my worst. There you go. How fun. And for those of you who are enduring a flare right now, I just want you to know I'm here for you. I support you. Those of us who are listening to this podcast and hopefully gaining some knowledge and some faith and hope from it, please know that we're going to connect with each other somehow. We are here for each other. We are a supportive community and you will heal. That's what I want to say is you will heal. I hope... Every day is a green heart day, which means I hope your poo is perfect every day.